Hello there and welcome to Brits on Flicks. Now you may be expecting a review of uh, The Eyes of Laura Mars this, this episode, but we've decided to bump it to next month. So don't worry, that is still coming as planned just one month later. Um, on this episode, instead, me and Graham are going to cover our top 10 movies of 2017. And this being Brits on Flicks, we are going off UK release dates, not US release dates. When I do this stuff over on my channel, I do tend to go off US release dates because I like to cover Oscar season films and that kind of thing. So, yeah, UK release dates and our top 10. Yes, um... I mean, overall, Brian, I found it very hard to get it down to a, a top 10 list, which is always a sign of a good year in, in my eyes. And um, since I made my list, I've seen a couple of other movies. One, which would have I would have put on my top 10, but I've left it off just for consistency's sake at the moment. But we'll probably talk about honourable mentions yeah, at yeah. the end of this show. But what have you made of 2017? I, I think overall it's been a pretty good year. You know, e even... There's, there are even some films, and, and one of them is on my honourable mentions. We'll, we'll get to that later, as you say. Uh, but even some films that a lot of people have, to put it politely, pissed upon, um, have actually been pretty damn good, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it has been a good year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, let's get into it, I guess. It's just... Okay, so, so who's going to start here, Brian? Uh, I, I'll let you start this one. Okay, yep. you beautiful first, age, yeah. not a problem. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number 10 is Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. Mm. I think I saw this back in March, I believe it was, and it was the director's cut. I, I didn't have a clue what I was walking into with this. Uh, I knew it was a period piece, and beyond that, I didn't know. And I found a, a movie that's cinematography is fantastic, a delicious way of telling a story. It was it was one of these stories where it would give you like a half hour and, and you'd get to know the characters and the situations and the dynamics between people and then it would jump back in time and show you it from a different person's point of view and it would repurpose the complete story of what you'd seen before and the movie kept doing this and kept surprising me, keeping me in the edge of the seat and what I thought was going to be a period piece turned out to be a con movie, a heist movie. Um, that just doesn't really fit the, the synopsis of it because it's about a, a young peasant woman that's chosen to be a handmaiden for um, this hoity-toity person. And uh, it just kind of snowballs from there. I'm trying to keep it a little bit blank because I think people will check it out. There is some scenes of uh, extreme graphic sexuality in this. Uh, if it's going to put you off, there is like a, a, a long sequence. Um, but the movie is... Stunning to look at. It's fantastic. Park, or Chanwick Park, is one of my favourite directors. Every time he comes out with something, that's always worth your while just investing into it. And I want to see everything in the big screen. And this was just another masterpiece, in my opinion. Mm. Was it him who did uh, that film with... I, don't, I mean, I know he did Old Boy. I know he did that trilogy. But did he do... Thinking Stoker? Stoker, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. man. Oh. Um, yeah, I've, I love I'm, that. I've not seen that, but I've heard nothing but good things. It's uh, oh, terrific. Yeah, right. um, I, I mean, like, I, I do expect going into anything that, that he does that there is going to be, at some point, something that is 
probably quite vicious or disturbing in some way. So I, I think, yeah, if if you're not into that kind of thing, he's probably not the guy for you. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, just watch Old Boy and and yeah, <laughs> you kind of know what you're in for, really. But um, yeah. No, I just I just say this is this is a very different. Side of the director because mm. it is like a period piece, but it is, is is very worth your time. I mean, I mean, I've not actually seen the Handmaiden yet, so uh, right, yeah, yeah, um, worth checking out. Yeah, okay, um, okay. So my number ten, uh, this was a, this was touch and go really as to whether this was going to make it. Um, there's, like I say, I've I've got five that we'll get to later that nearly did, uh, but in the end, I went with this, and it, it's Wonder Woman. Um, I, I recently ranked all the DC films that came out in 2017 and uh, I, I, sorry, not all the DC films, all the comic book movies that came out. And uh, I, mm-hmm. actually, I actually put Justice League above this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I've watched both a few more times since that. And, and like many ranking videos and the sort, you, you, you come to regret it afterwards. Uh, not deeply, you know, but I, I, I do wish that I'd put Wonder Woman higher, actually. I do think it's a very good film. Um, it's not perfect, don't get me wrong, but just just to see a female comic book superhero movie done right, you know? It's, it's, it, it is the first of its kind in that respect. Uh, now, I know a lot of people are a bit kind of, Umming and ahhing over the fact that Patty Jenkins didn't get nominated as Best Director and all that. And quite frankly, if she had been, it it literally would be a stunt. I'm sorry, but it would. When you look at... And that's not a diss on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is a very, very good film of its kind. But if Christopher Nolan cannot get nominated for Best Director for The Dark Knight, then I'm sorry... Patty Jenkins doesn't even come close for this. She does a bang-up job. She does a fantastic job. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I, I think when, when, we, when we're getting onto that soapbox about, oh, no female directors in the nominations, give it time, okay? Mm. It's just, like, if you're going to nominate a, a female director for 2017, I, I can think of someone else, certainly, who, who probably did deserve a nomination. But, mm. um but all that politics aside, I, I do think it's a very good film. It's one that I, I feel like I'm going to go back to again and again. It's got a lot of entertaining action scenes in it, but also some real heart. You know, this, mm. the dynamic of having this female-centred you know, character who, who is led by her heart, um, you know, rather than just kind of going into a situation and, and deciding to blast everything in sight, which kind of get with your more male-oriented superheroes. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I like that dynamic. It's a very good mm-hmm. film, very entertaining, um, and fits very nicely into the DC Cinematic Universe, which I still really quite like, with the exception of Suicide Squad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I quite liked Wonder Woman. I, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I feel it was a little bit overhyped, mm. uh, just because it was pretty pretty decent. Um, I do feel it has a couple of issues, but overall it's a, a fun movie. But it's not one that I feel the need to revisit anytime soon. Um, I'm sure that'll change, but yeah, good pick. Uh, my number nine, and we mentioned it last episode, so I'll try and get my tongue around it, even though it's not that hard, is 20th Century Woman. 
now this uh, is a movie set in the 70s this was one of these movies that I'd never heard of even getting into the cinema I hadn't heard anything about it it's a story about a young man uh, on the cusp of manhood as this, this three women in his life come together and decide to try and raise a man the way they feel that a man should be raised mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a coming of age it's got some fantastic actresses in it the, the design, the production standards the quality of the actors the story that it tells is just one of these really quirky, funny things. It's just gets to you. It's got like Greta Gerwig in a great role as well. It's got El uh, El Fanning, El Dakota, El Fanning <laughs> as, as the younger female, and Annette Benning as his mother. These are the three sort of figures in his life, and uh, it's one of these really funny, really weird movies that. I'll zip by, nobody will ever talk about it, nobody will ever mention it or, or that, and it'll just fade into the ether, but I think it's something that people really have to check out, really have to search for. I, I gave it 5 out of 5 on uh, my review when I did it, uh, and I think it's totally worth people's time. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm definitely going to... You've really piqued my interest in it. I am definitely going to have to track that one down, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my number nine, and I, I, I think... It's a testament to how good the films were in 2016, if you go off US release dates, Mm. um, that this gets bumped down so much because this was actually in my top three. If if, if, if I was going off US release dates for 2017, this is in my top three. At the moment, of course, we've not had the slew of Oscar bait films yet, but so far it'd be number three. Um, But yeah... uh, 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 Going off UK release dates, uh, it's at my number nine, and that's War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, which I think is a real, um, just amazing film, staggering achievement. Um, You know, it's it's a third part of a trilogy, um, which is pretty much equal to what came before. Now, I, I would say Dawn of the Planet of the Apes still marginally takes it, but this is really a perfect ender to to this trilogy. Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. It, it. it kind of puts this trilogy into my top five trilogies of all time, uh, probably my top three, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, and, and this character of Caesar, which we've followed throughout these films, he has this complete story arc, and it's so touching, so moving, um, and it resonates, you know? It just... It, the fact that they make you identify so well with this chimpanzee um, and kind of root for him in so many ways. And I thought Woody Harrelson was fantastic in it as well. I think he made for one of the best villains of 2017. You know, if I was to put together a list of movie villains for last year, I, I think he would rate pretty highly as well for this. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I'm with you and everything there. War for the Planet Apes was a terrific movie in pretty much all fronts, to be fair. Um, my number eight is Logan Lucky. Um, Steven Soderbergh returned from retirement, thank goodness, and brought us another heist movie, very similar to the Oceans movies. And if there's one thing that Soderbergh can do, it's that kind of fun, breezy heist movie that's just watchable. And this movie has it in spades. It's full of all these quirky characters. It's a heist that you want to see play out and, and hopefully see the guys get away with it. Um, 
lots of uh, really interesting characters, like I said. Channing Tatum's great. Just, in fact, I think the whole cast is great. But I think that it's Soderbergh that ties it all together. He knows how to make these things just work. The pacing's terrific. The comedy works when it's put into the script and it actually becomes part of the plot when you've got the governor of the prison whose catchphrase, the jokey catchphrase, actually plays into making the heist work later on in the movie. Um, it's one of the several movies this year that had a, a John Denver song in it. Uh, I think it got there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened with that, but yeah, Logan Lucky was just easy entertainment. It's one of these movies that I'm going to throw in constantly throughout the years and just lazy Sunday afternoon movie. Yeah, I mean, I liked Logan Lucky, but I wasn't ecstatic about it. And I, I don't mm. know what it was. It was like, <clears throat> all the way through it, I was appreciating the way it was made and whatnot performances, some of the characters I really liked, but it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't stick the way that it should. I mean, mm. my, my favourite Soderbergh film is still out of sight. Um, mm. I, I think that's an absolute gem of a film. Uh, yeah, it, it did have a few problems for me, you know, this, mm-hmm. this idea that these people who are seemingly quite stupid turn out to not be, and you... I don't know, from my perspective, I kind of felt if you were that intelligent to begin with, surely you could have made a bit more of yourselves <laughs> earlier on in life, you know what I mean? Because the, the, the heist they pull off takes some serious mind work to, to manage, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I, I'm just, yeah, I don't know, that for, for whatever reason, that, that just jumped out at me when I watched it and... Yeah. Maybe give it a rewatch. I mean, it does. The movie does say that um, these guys and the family seem to be cursed with a, a, a mm-hmm. range of bad luck, and they do seem as if they were fairly capable uh, people. Just people just refer to them as idiots. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a movie with a lot of heart. I'll say that mm. much. I, I liked Channing Tatum's character, and I liked this. You know, the, the fact that he's doing all this really for his daughter, so that he can he can carry on seeing his daughter and uh, yeah um, like you say it might be one of those that I have to rewatch. I mean Haywire actually was like that I didn't I didn't like Haywire at all first time I saw it it bored right. me to tears mm-hmm. um, there was a couple of action scenes in it that like really got my adrenaline pumping but overall I wasn't that keen and I watched it again recently and I was like wow this, this is actually a pretty nifty little action thriller you know it's 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 a good film. It went from being like a two star film to a four star film. Mm. So, so yeah, you know, I'll give it another go at some point. I think um, we'll see what happens. Uh, so yeah, next up for me, uh, number eight is Logan, um, and a proper R rated comic book movie, uh, like R rated version of of Wolverine. You know, it's taken us how many films? to get the Wolverine that we've always wanted. Um, yeah. And I, I think ov- obviously Deadpool had a hand in this, I think, you know, when, when Deadpool came out and they realised how successful that was. Mm. That was clearly the green light to say, you know what, let's give Logan his chance. Let's, let's give people what they've been asking for for so long. And boy, does it pay off. Um, mm. But beyond that, you know... It's not just, like, like with Deadpool, it is really all about the R rating. 
You know, it's it's about it's 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 a film about violence and sex jokes, really. Um, yet with with Logan, it's not at all. It's it really is a story, a character driven story at the center mm. of it. This, this you know this relationship between uh, Logan and Professor Xavier. And then also, you know, throwing into the mix this this young girl, um, and I just, for me personally, I, I I think that Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart should be getting some nominations come awards mm. season, and he he won't. Simple fact of the matter is, this is a comic book movie, and you have to pull off a great performance and then die if you want to get nominated for a comic book movie. That's that's just the sad fact of the matter. Um, but I, I think Patrick Stewart does something really special with this. And so does Hugh Jackman, as it, as, you know, for, for that matter. I think he does a great leading turn here. And I'd be happy now if they don't bring him back. Because to mm. go out on this high, please don't cock it up. Please don't bring him back and give us a mediocre film that makes us regret you bringing him back. Stay gone, let it be, because this is a perfect ending for this for this character, mm. um, and for Professor Xavier for that matter. So yeah, really love this film. Yeah, and I think Jackman knows the character and knows that this is about as perfect a movie as he could possibly make, especially after some of the other duds that have happened. So hopefully he'll just turn down whatever dump truck of money they drive up to his house. <laughs> Um, my number seven, Brian, is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm. I had zero interest in Star Wars. Um, literally, the trailers didn't do a thing for me. Couldn't be bothered. I, th- I think I left it a week before I went to see it. Um, wow. And by that point, the buzz was mixed. You know, people loved it, people hated it. Some people were just like, it's average. And that really kind of started to get me a little bit excited because it, I felt as if maybe they were trying something maybe if they'd went in a different direction and I found a movie that was thoroughly entertaining and one of the best looking Star Wars with some really stunning set pieces I'm thinking of the fight with uh, Ren uh, and the, the Imperial Guards I think oh, it is kind yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, stunning image uh, the, the, the image of the Star Cruiser or whatever it is firing through mm. uh, the Imperial ships that, and the sound drops out and it just goes mm. monochrome. That's gorgeous. That Spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone who's listening. <laughs> 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 Too bad, it's Star Wars. Everybody's seen Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the fight on the, that planet at the end where it's like white and, and red underneath whenever mm. anything moves on it. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed the humour with the Skywalker. Um, yeah. I, <coughs> a lot of people seem to have a bugbear with that even the the bits of the story that don't go anywhere I feel there was an, a necessity in having them in this story mm. um, like I said it was entertaining as all hell I, I, I thought it was terrific and I like where it's kind of went and it's made me excited for more installments where I was starting to feel a bit like eh, it's just another Star Wars movie yeah. but yet again for the third year in the trot another one's made it onto my top ten mm. end of year list the thing is, like, even with the humour, and I know a lot of people have complained a lot about the humour, um, but even the humour is character-driven, you know? Yeah. A lot of people have, like, you know, they've waited for this moment when, you know, Luke has been given that lightsaber back, 
And again, spoiler alert, he just throws it over his shoulder. And a lot of people got really annoyed by that because it's just like, oh, they've just turned it into a throwaway gag. And that's anything but mm. that, that one action sums up everything we need to know about Luke, where he is at mm. this moment. He's, he's, he's had it. He's done. So, yeah, it's a funny moment. But it's a funny moment that is absolutely driven by character. I also look at it as well as he's no need for those kind of weapons anymore. No. He's so much in control of the force around the belt and the things like that that he doesn't need a standard weapon, mm. as we see by the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Spoiler alert, again, <laughs> he projects himself. He's just... <laughs> I mean, I'm dying to do a video on Last Jedi, actually, for, for my other channel, The Movie Evangelist, because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was, there was some stuff in there that really jumped out at me. Um, mm -hmm. so it spoke to me on the level of my faith. So, But we won't get into that here. You'll be happy to know. Um, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think maybe on a second viewing... I may even like it more, and mm. it very, very narrowly missed out on making my top ten. Um, right. But like I say, uh, the rest, of, like the the other films that are in this list, have had multiple viewings. Whereas Last Jedi, I've seen it once. Um, so that may, that may become my one regret about this list later down the line. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, so. Where are we? Number seven? Right. My number seven. This is my second favourite Scorsese film of all time, and that is Silence. Uh, this film, for me, um, was a gut punch. Just, yeah. And, I, and I, I was just thinking about it for days. Uh, it just stuck in my mind for days, you know. I I I don't know if this film can be appreciated, I guess, by people who do not have a Christian faith. That being said, I know of plenty of Christians who completely disowned it, who hate it even. Um, but for me personally... I, I just found it challenging, I guess, is, is, is the word I would best use to describe it, but in a good way, you know? Um, it, it doesn't give you any nice, easy answers wrapped up in a bow. It doesn't have a, a happy ending that, you know, where you leave the cinema and you no longer have to think about it. It, it challenges you. Um, like I say, I'm coming to it as a person of faith, and it, it's... Yeah, so I, I, I can't, I, I, yeah, I don't know how other people would respond to it. But for me personally, I, was, I just felt challenged in a really good way. It forced me to look at my own faith and think, what's my position? What's my position on this? What's my position on that? You know, and, and for me, any film that does that and does it in a way that doesn't insult my faith doesn't do, it doesn't do it in a way that it is designed to, to mock or scorn, but it's just simply made to be real. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think this film is a, a really brilliant companion piece 
to Hacksaw Ridge, which one, it came out in the same year, and 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 two, it, it also stars Andrew Garfield, you know, as mm. as a Christian lead character. And I think that the, the main thing about these two films is that one, Hacksaw Ridge, you know, if you want to look at them from from the terms of faith and where these where these characters are, I think Hacksaw Ridge shows you a character who, at every turn, asks God where he's going and ends successfully. And One Silence is a film in which a Christian character jumps headlong into a situation without even consulting God, without even finding out if it's the right thing to do, and then everything basically goes tits up. Um, and and I think if you if you watch both these films with 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 those thoughts in mind, then I think maybe they they might begin to mean something to you on on a different level. I guess I don't know, but yeah, for me, number seven is Silence. Yeah, I, I really liked Silence. I thought it looked particularly uh, stunning as well. Um, it's it's a movie I, I gave five out of five top marks oh, to. Oh wow! Um, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, no. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that you throw on on a Friday night for kids. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that really draws you in and does put you mm. through the ringer. But yeah, yeah. good choice. Um, number six on my list. Now, just I'm not an animated guy. I don't really like animated movies um, generally. But this year there is three on my list. Um, the first of which is your name, which is by Makato Shinkai. I think his name is. This is a movie that it came out in the rest of the world, I think, in 2016. It came out here in 2017. I didn't really know what to expect of it. I heard a couple of people saying it was really good. It's basically a body swap comedy. I kind of <laughs> knew that going into it, or that's what I thought it was going to be. And the movie doesn't waste any time in doing it. And the first scene is them having swapped bodies. You know, they wake up, a girl wakes up in a, a young boy's body, the boy and the girl's. And this just happens. Uh, like every now and again they wake up and they're in the opposite body and they start to leave notes for each other and about what they've done in their life and who they've talked to and blah 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 and they sort of make it work they cohabitate each other's bodies and then about a third of the way in the movie it takes this devastating turn that I just did not see coming right, I've, I've not seen it I've I'm heard, not going to spoil yeah, it so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and like, I, I literally, it took the feet away from me and turned the movie, which was like a fun, uh, easy, breezy body swap comedy, which worked very well because you had bought into the characters by that point. You liked the characters. And then, like I said, it takes the feet away from you and you're left emotionally invested in this tale and hoping, praying that everything's going to work out fine. And you're not sure that it's going to, but my goodness, it's stunning looking. It's emotional. It's just everything that I possibly wanted from a movie that I didn't realise I actually wanted. Um, <laughs> your name is just its one of these... I can't see anybody not enjoying a terrific movie. Wow. Yeah, that's, it, it's, yeah, it's one that skipped me by. I know it got a lot of awards buzz when it came out and it seemed to be on a lot of uh, YouTubers that I know. Uh, they seem to be on a lot of their top ten lists and stuff, but for mm. whatever reason, yeah, it just passed me by. Um, it's quite a few now on your list. 
that I've not seen. Um, so, yeah, just, just reel off your list again so far. Uh, the Handmaiden, 20th Century Women, Logan Lucky, Star Wars, Your Name. Right, so th- three of those five I've not seen. Um, my watch list is getting bigger. Um, okay, so my number six is Lion. Um, mm. Really, just an, an emotional ride. Um, and, and it's like, how, how do you make somebody finding their, you know, their, their, their long lost home via Google Maps or Google, Google World or whatever it's called. How do you make that interesting? Um, but man, they do. It's just, yeah, go, going on this journey with this kid. And, and it, it's a bit like Slumdog Millionaire in, in the sense that, you know, one, Dev Patel plays the lead character, but two, he doesn't play the lead character for most of the movie. He plays it for... For half of the movie, you know, and it, and it's just so in in that respect, it has that Slumdog Millionaire vibe because you you go into it knowing that Dev Patel is the lead actor, and he doesn't even show up in the film until what like forty minutes in, fifty minutes in, something like that. It's it, it's a good long while, and by then, you are really invested in this this child actor that is that is playing the role. Um, Nicole Kidman. She really got me in this film. I got to say, she she was you know she's only supporting supporting actress in this, but man, just I I just I thought she nailed it. I think some people can be quite down on Nicole Kidman at times, you know. I I think because she has she's become one of those actresses, I, I guess, a bit like Meryl Streep, where you know they they get a lot of a lot of attention, um, you know, regardless of what they do. But but I I generally genuinely think she deserved it for this film um mm. you know she had a small amount of screen time but she really affected with it and uh, yeah there, i mean there was a couple of times in this i i i won't lie where where i i did i ended up in tears um but i, I just think it's a beautifully made film and it gives me a lot of hope actually for the i can't remember the name of the director but he's doing um his next film is mary magdalene or something yeah. like that so uh, it'll be, be interesting to see where he goes with it with a biblical movie. Um, but yeah, Lion, my number six. Yeah, it was one of these movies where you watched the trailer and you went, I know exactly what that's going to mm. be. And then you watch the movie and it is, but it still gets you. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> gets you and, and just draws you in with the, the, the story. It's an unbelievable story. Great, great pick. Um, my number five is A Cure for Wellness. Ah, another one I've not seen. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is one of these movies that I went to see at the cinema and I came out probably going, it's a three out of five. It's all right. Nothing more. But the more I thought about this and the more it just it stuck with me a lot throughout the year. Um, and it's one I've, I've revisited and I really loved it the second time. It's... It's a movie I feel that you, you almost get lost in the story, which isn't that difficult to figure out. It's kind of played as a mystery, but I think once you get by the story, once you, you, you kind of forget that that's secondary to the visuals that's on screen, it becomes a far better rewarding experience. This is a movie that's weird. It's designed to be odd. Um, it's shot in a frame rate or, 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 or 
a frame uh, with that was designed by the filmmaker. It's not a, no other movie's been done this way. Wow. They created um, the aspect ratio for it. All the images are designed to just make you weird. The, the sound, the setting, the production values, it's all strange and odd, but beautiful at the same time. It's mm. visually a stunning movie. I think it's probably the best visual movie I've seen this year, just for sheer composition and cinematography. If you check on Google Images and type in A Cure for Wellness, some of the images that will pop up, you'll be like, wow, the works of art. Um, mm. Well, well, we'll wait till we get to my number one choice before we. Uh... <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I've I've not seen it, so I can't judge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's it's a a great movie, and I don't hear anybody talking about it. But it's one of these ones that I guarantee in ten years' time, people will be like, "Oh, that great movie." Yeah, I I know Lee from Drum Dums. He really loved it. Um, right. He was trying to get a lot of people to go and watch it. Uh, mm. And I I am actually a fan of Gore Verbinski. I think yeah. he's made some pretty decent films. Uh, some you know some have been a bit hit and miss, but he he does have a handful of films that make him something of an interesting director to to watch out for. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I, I'm definitely going to get around to that one at some point. <laughs> um, okay, my number, we're on five, aren't we? Yeah, my number five is Manchester by the Sea. Um, man, this film nearly destroyed me. It nearly destroyed me. Um, I, I, I don't want to be condescending to anybody who doesn't have kids, but I, I'm. I don't know if it w- I don't know if it would have the same impact on me if I didn't have kids. I think I'd still be affected by it, but I, I. I think anyone who's got kids, if you watch this, there's going to be a certain point in the film that you get to, and it's it's just going to destroy you. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I. It, it is one of them films where I did notice that nearly every other word was the f bomb. Uh, yeah. it, it is. I'm sure it's got to be breaking some records for the amount of f bombs that that have been uh, been named that, that have been used in it. But um, yeah, it, it was a bit of an assault to the years after a while with that. But take take that away, just disregard that for one moment, and you've got a really brilliant character study. Uh, and Casey Affleck was fantastic in it. Um, really, really fantastic performance by him. Uh, yeah, not much more to say other than that, really. Yeah, it's another one of those movies that was great, well worth watching. I'm probably never going to watch it again. You know, it just it, it gives you too much of a, uh, too much of the emotional kick. Yeah, I mean, I I think I will watch this again, and I probably will watch Silence again. To be perfectly honest, I mean, I did buy it, but uh, it it's it's going to be one of those maybe in ten years kind of movies, you know. Um, but yeah. Um, my number four is another animated one, um, and it is My Life as a Courgette. <laughs> um, Guess what? Well, I've not seen, seen it. It. <laughs> um, it. It's a really short one. 66 minutes is the length of it. Um, it's a stop-motion animation, and it's about this little boy whose mother calls him Courgette. That's like a pet name for him. And when something happens to his mum, uh, he is sent to an orphanage to live. And he meets other kids that are all kind of uh, being abused in some way, shape or form. And together he kind of 
builds a family for himself that he never really had before, creates a sort of unity between these other kids and some of the adults that are there. It's ridiculously funny. It is really touching at moments. The animation style is, is lovely. Everybody looks a little bit odd, but still kind of interesting at the same time. And there's another one that... But then, the time you get to the end of the movie, you're so invested in these characters, you don't want to say goodbye to them, you want to spend more time with them, you, you want to pick them up and cuddle them. You, you feel as if you just want to tell them everything's going to be alright, and you're like, hang on, it's a piece of plasticine, <laughs> or something. But, but you're so drawn into these characters and their motivations and what they're going through. I was absolutely gobsmacked by this movie. I've watched it a couple of times since, because it's so beautiful to look at. I so quick to get through. Um, it's got a silly name. And just the poster and the look of the characters, a lot of people are probably going to miss this, and it's a shame if they do. Is, is this one by Leica? No. No, it's not. No. Okay. No, not at all. Right. Um, it, it's very different to most animated things, but I, I could thoroughly recommend this. Right. Okay. No worries. Um, I, I've, I've actually, if there's one genre or one type of film that I've kind of done a disservice to, in 2017, it's animated movies. Uh, I've I've not seen a right lot. It's got to be said when it comes to animated stuff. I, I'm going to try and catch up on them in the, the next month or so. But uh, yeah, uh, okay. So my number four, and I think anyone who still even remotely remembers our mid-year kind of <laughs> show that we did. We'll probably start to realise that, um, yeah, what what's going to be my next four choices, really. But um, my number four is Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, like, if, if you remember when we did our mid-season, I think, I think I was like Baby Driver, and then after that was War for the Planet of the Apes. So mm. that shows you kind of roughly where we're at now at this point of the year compared to where we were when we did that. Um, <laughs> mid-season run so to speak um but yeah baby driver Whew. i mean for me it's 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 edgar wright's best film i know a lot of people would disagree with that um but i i just i loved it in every sense of the word it was a thrill ride from start to finish i thought all the performances were great i just thought the editing was absolutely superb i think it definitely deserves some kind of nomination for editing um the way the music is is, is kind of built into the characters and, and just kind of drives the story along absolutely fantastically handled uh, and it's just yeah brilliant showdown at the end I love it absolutely mm. love it really brilliant um, that's uh, what more can I say really <laughs> sure um, well I'll just jump into my number three which is Baby Driver <laughs> um, I think it is expert film making to, to have all these um, balls in the air, you know, to make sure everything works mm. uh, together, where it's the visuals, the story, the sound, everything ties together so perfectly to create a movie that almost seems effortless at moments, that, that creates characters that you really just want to see get on or do their thing, even bats, you're like, you know, you're interested in what he's going to do next because mm. he's just a crazy guy. Um, you're really interested in, in Baby's story as well. I think it's it's effortless filmmaking, and it's made to look as if it's effortless. Yeah. Um, I think a- it's anything terrific but. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. but. Um, 
I, I, I still think about, I mean, I know a lot of people would probably say that At World's End is Edgar Wright's worst film. Um, I mean, if, if that was my worst film, i got to say, um, I, I'd, I think I'd be pretty bloody... <laughs> I would be on a high. Um, but I just, I, I, rem I mean, for me, it's actually my favourite of the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, but uh, I just remember that opening ten minutes of At World's End, the editing that goes on in that, the number of locations they had to shoot in just to cover those ten minutes. And it was just such a staggering achievement and and it feels like they've almost done that for the entire film here with baby driver it's it's just it's staggering it just yeah it blew me away absolutely blew me away um and, and i know some people who kind of weren't that weren't really that big on baby on um edgar Wright. they've, they've not really seen much of his work and they saw baby driver and they were like wow what have i been missing um so <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you definitely have to check it out. Um, so my number three, um, and it, it's actually uh, it's quite a surprise that Christopher Nolan isn't my number one. You know, he hasn't made my number one film of the year. It's like shock horror. No, mm. he's made my number three film of the year. That film obviously is Dunkirk. Um, for me personally, I think it's the best war film since Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I just think it's it's shot absolutely beautifully. Uh, I, I think I think the cinematography was by Hoyt van Hoytema, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah, he shot Interstellar as well. He's kind of Nolan's new man mm. after after Wally Pfister. I mean, he worked for Wally Pfister for so long, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really digging their relationship because they're putting some incredible visuals up on screen. Um, just again, this you know, the, the playing with time, something that mm. something that Nolan does constantly in his films, but it's it's never a gimmick, and I and I'm sure a lot of scoffers would say that it is. Um, mm. I know a lot of people who don't like Nolan will say, "Oh, why does he have to play with the time the way he does? It's just for the sake of it." But it it just it really brings you into the urgency of every character's situation so so that we're able to see everyone you know because because if, if we didn't if we didn't do it like that we'd, we'd have these big gaps these delays in which we're seeing the story of the people who are going to take a week to get there and then those who are going to take you know a a day and then those who are going to take some hours so like if if you did it that way the people who you know, who are only going to take a few hours, they wouldn't turn up till the end of the movie. Mm. So the, the, the movie would feel very disjointed. But So by doing it in the way that he's done it, it allows us to follow all these characters at the same time, like really identify with them in their situation. And it's, it, it really is more about their situation as well. We, other than Mark Rylance's character, we don't get a right lot of character development. And I don't think that matters with a film like this because this is, this is more about the experience. It's more about putting you into their shoes in this given moment. And because of the way that it's shot, because of the way that it's handled, expertly done, you, you just, your adrenaline is up from start to finish. From the, mo you know, the moment we come into this film and Germans start opening opening fire uh, the Germans that we never get to see I might add 
we never get to see them in the film, but they, they, you know, they open fire on these British soldiers and that's it. From, from then on, from start to finish, your adrenaline's up and you're just following. And, you, and, you, and even the score, Hans Zimmer's score, it's like this ticking clock all the time. It, it is. It's, it's kind of, it's keeping your heart rate going. It's, it's, mm. it's like, you, it's like you're, you're waiting for something to happen. You're, you're trying to get to the end. So, yeah, I, I loved it. thought it was expertly handled. Um, yeah, my number three of the year. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was technically excellent. Uh, but a little bit emotionally cold for me. Um, but it's one that I really need to, to, to go back to, I think. Um, but yeah, good pick. Um, my number two is The Red Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? You've seen it? I've not seen it. <laughs> um, th- this is a movie that really got to me. Um, right. It's a movie without any dialogue at all. Again, wow. it's another animated movie. The movie opens up with this guy being shipwrecked on a desert island and it's all about man's interaction with the world around him mm. and how if he treats the world well, the world's going to supply things for him and if he doesn't treat it too well, it's going to be harsh to him and how some things, everything just changes and how uh, the legacy you leave behind you, it's lots of different topics. I absolutely love this movie and I feel that it's essential viewing for any age and I feel that it's a truly universal movie because there's no dialogue. You could sit anybody down in front of this and show them it and see what they were going to get out of it. There there is one magical element to it that I think a lot of people got hung up on um, but I don't think it's anything that needs to be hung up on at all. I think that the environmental message of the movie is tremendous. I think just uh, as a personal well-being, this movie is... It's so uplifting, it's so interesting, it's so like a thesis in life. Mm. Um, absolutely love The Red Turtle. Right, So, So uh, animation's done quite well then for you? For, for yes, and I'm not an animation guy. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I think I've picked out three movies, three animated movies there that are the pinnacle of movie making, not just uh, animated movies. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, number two, that that was your number two, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. So my number two, uh, and this this is where we, uh, well, I won't say that actually because it'll give away my, my number one. Um, my number two is La La Land. Uh, it was my if if we go off US release dates, it was my second favorite film of two thousand sixteen after. The Nice Guys, um, you know, a lot of Ryan Gosling love in 2016. Uh, and it's also my f- second favourite film of 2017 as well. Uh, it just, yeah, I, for me, I just loved it. I love every minute of it. I've played the soundtrack in my car non-stop for the past year. Um, it, it still comes on every now and again and I still get into it. Um, I've seen the film a few times and I just, yeah, I love it. I love the colours. I love the vibrancy of it. I love the central relationship between these two characters. I think Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone perform it brilliantly, beautifully. Um, I, you know, I, I just, okay, you can argue that Ryan Gosling isn't the best singer, but to me, it, a musical has to be about more than the, the perfect voice. 
it has to be about the, the, the performance as well, the dramatic performance and the chemistry between the cast members, you know. Um, like I've seen, I've seen musicals where, you know, that people hail as really great musicals and, and, and the, the singers in them are just, yeah, they're sublime, you know, they've got fantastic voices, but that, that's kind of where it starts and where it ends. Um, it, to me, what makes a musical absolutely perfect, something like Singing in the Rain, is when, yes, they can sing, yes, they can dance, but, but yes, they can act, you know. Mm. They, they, they suck you into that character, and that's, that's, what, that's what both of these actors do in this film. I love these yeah. characters. I love the way it's directed by Damien Chazelle. Right from the opening, he, he just pulls you in and don't let go because, yeah, I mean, what a brilliant opening sequence to, to just hook you. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. The, the colours are great. The look of the movie is fantastic. The actors are pretty terrific. Um, and I think it's more than that. It's a movie that kind of answers the question in a way of whether it's better to have loved and lost or never <laughs> to have loved at all. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah. I've seen it once. Um, and I, I have the music in my head right now. Right. You know, that ba 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 You know, it's, it's there. It, it mm. sticks with you. And that was yeah. about a year ago, I saw it. Yeah. Um, great movie. Yeah, good pick. Uh, so my number one, and I'm sure you'll, you'll know what this is already, and it's a, a deeply, well, it should be personal anyway, but it is, it's, it's T2, uh, train spotting. Crappy name aside. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Is that if a, if movie? if we were doing a bottom ten list, yeah, um, <laughs> my opinion, Brian. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's a movie that, like I say, no, I, I prefer it to the original Train Spotting. What? Um, yep, yep, yeah. Um, no way. Whereas the first one was a really energetic, uh, fresh movie. It, it wasn't something that I could really connect with because I couldn't put myself in the, the footsteps of these like, drug users. Uh, but now they're, they're sort of middle-aged men looking back with nostalgia at their childhood. The problems that they had with fondness when they shouldn't do is something that I can put myself into that place. This was a movie that I was equal parts excited and terrified about seeing because I felt as if they could drop the ball. But it's so good. I saw this, I think it was three or four times in the cinema. I've seen it another few times since then. I absolutely adore it. I think it's a, a terrific movie. Um, and you probably won't see it in a lot of people's top ten lists, but for me, it's my number one of the year. <laughs> oh, man, I think a lot of our listeners will be crying uh, patriotism. Patriotism. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I mean, I think if people really want to... If, if, if you want to hear more, about me and Brian going at it about train spotting too. Uh, we've got a podcast out there where we covered the first and second movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, we won't get into it again here. If you, if you want to know just how vehemently opposed we are to each other on this, go and check that out. Uh, but let's just let's just say I consider the first train spotting to be a, a monumental classic, and I think the second one is a a real big disappointment. Um, I feel like a lot of love that people have for that first film um, really kind of, yeah, 
affected people's opinions, shall we say. Uh, but hey, you know, it's all subjective. It is all yep. subjective. It, technically, I, I, I'm, I'm, it came out in the tail end of January, so I'm almost a, a year since I've seen it, and I think I've seen it a good mm, six or seven times mm. um, this year. So, go on, Brian, hit me with your number one. <sighs> okay, right. I, I can't believe this didn't even make your list. I really can't. Um, so, proving yet again... For the second year on the trot, it seems quite evident I am a big Ryan Gosling fanboy. Because my number one is Blade Runner. And Blade Runner 2049, obviously. Um, and, man, just what an experience in the cinema this was. Uh, I... I I, I had such an experience with it that I went back the day after to watch it again because I wanted to know if that was real. I wanted to know if if, the, if that experience I just had was real or whether, I don't know, whether I was just in a good mood that day. But I got more out of it on the second viewing than I did on the first just it's again like that first film like that original blade runner it's one of those films where i can imagine myself watching this many times for many years to come and getting new things out of it every time i think the performances in it across the board um are, are absolutely brilliant even um oh what's his face uh, drax from guardians of the galaxy uh dave, dave yeah dave dave batista he gives the best performance of his career so far here. I mean, I, I know that I know it's not like a, a laundry list of stellar performances, but but I've always thought he's got something, you know. And and here I was genuinely moved by it. By by the, the, the he only gets one scene in the film, but it's a pretty uh, pivotal scene, and I, I I'm actually quite moved by what he does in it. Um, but yeah, just just the the themes that, that come out of it. This, this you know the, the the questions the same the same questions the first film asked about you know what what is it to be human? Um, what, do, does God exist? If so, what does that mean for a synthetic life form? What does you know? Just so many questions. Um, and yeah, I I just I loved it. And and if. Quite frankly, if Roger Deakins does not take away the Oscar this year for Best Cinematography, then there is seriously, seriously something wrong with this world. Yeah. Um, I did like Blade Runner a lot. Um, there was just something I couldn't I couldn't latch on to. I don't know what it was. I saw it twice in the cinema. Um, and I probably will watch it again at home just to see if I get that final uh, nudge just to make it a, an absolute classic for me. Um, I, there's no doubt about it. Visually stunning. Visually stunning. Um, but I'll, I just want to go back to it. So that's, that's good. So, Brian, we'll be going to Honourable... Honourable... Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions, yes. Say that five times fast. Honourable mentions, honourable mentions, honourable mentions, honourable mentions, honourable mentions. Anyway, enough of that. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Honourable uh, mentions. 
I'll just I'll just burn through a load, and if I've got anything I, I want to add, I may just add it. Um, okay. But I'll try and be as quick as I can. So, okay. uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, I, I thought visually looked great, and it was a, it was a good fun adventure movie. Um, Okja, it was a good Netflix movie, one of the best that I'd seen this year. Uh, Kong Skull Island, I still think, was one of the better uh, blockbuster movies. Uh, Logan, you pretty much said it all, terrific movie. Um, L, I really enjoyed as well. Um, which is a Paul Verhoeven movie, which was pretty fantastic. And one that I watched after I'd done my list, and I think it would have broken into the top ten uh, e- easily, and that is The Killing of a Sacred Deer, oh, okay. which was a movie that I didn't fancy at all. <clears throat> um, I just I just didn't like the look of it. To me, but the, the movie's just weird. But it's designed to be unsettling, to yeah. be that kind of weird freaky kind of movie the choice of angles the music the tone the language specifically of the movie um, is just designed to put you in the back foot um, and it does that and it leaves you with this icky feeling at the end of it great movie have you seen that Brian? Um, I've not yet I'm I'm, I'm going to get around to it very shortly I think um, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it I, I mean for me it's the cast that mm. that really excites me about it, um, and yeah, just just word of mouth, I guess. I, I I don't know anyone who who's seen it who hasn't said it's it's yeah definitely worth watching. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. So is is is, is 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 that all yours? Yeah, I, um, I think that's all off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm just cheating somewhat and kind of looking on letterboxd but uh <laughs> um yeah uh 2017 just a uh, few honorable mentions here's here's mine i'll reel them off thor ragnarok that was pretty solid best thor movie so far it one of the best horror films of last year i think uh lego batman which is kind of Really, one of only two animated films I saw in theatres last year. Um, <clears throat> Ghost in the Shell, which I thought was very underrated. Yeah. I yeah. thought I thought just it was a visual treat, and I actually thought it was an improvement on the original. And I like the original. Okay, mm. um, so I, I thought how. <sighs> I know a lot of when it came out, a lot of people said, "Oh, whitewashing, whitewashing," because of Scarlett Johansson. But actually casting a Western woman in the role really feeds into the theme of the movie, which is this, you know, this, this idea of identity. Who am I? When I don't look like everyone else around me, who am I? So it, 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 it and they used it. They, you know, they worked that in. Um, so, yeah. So, and because of that, I just, I just, yeah, I, I felt like it dealt with the themes of the original in a slightly better way. I would say much better, because, I, like I say, I think the original is still a great film. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ghost in the Shell, really great uh, great film there for me. Um, the Disaster Artist, probably my favourite comedy of last year. Um, out and Out, well, it's kind of comedy drama. Um, I guess you can argue my next film, my next honourable mention, is also a comedy, so pick and choose between these two but Disaster Artist great performance by James Franco and I think he does a, a wonderful job directing as well 
Um, just a really good, a really feel-good movie, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the better feel-good movies of the year. Uh, the Babysitter. It's a kind of a horror comedy. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyed that immensely. A lot more than I was expecting to. And the biggest surprise there was that it was directed by McGee. <laughs> um, <laughs> really shocking. Uh, Split. Um, very good. M. Night Shyamalan, back on form. Uh, John Wick, Chapter 2, very good sequel. Made me appreciate the first film a lot more than I originally did. Uh, Detroit, class A drama. I think Catherine Bigelow, if, if there's any woman, any female director out there um, who deserves a nomination so far this year, come, come Oscar time, I'd say it was her for Detroit. Uh, Alien Covenant, which I think is superiorly underrated. That's that's not even a word. I just made that up. Um, yeah, Alien Covenant. I watched it again recently. I I was I was fearing the worst because because when I first watched it, I you know I loved it, um, and then all this backlash came. And I was like, ooh, and I, I I watched it again for the first time since that, and I I, I went into it kind of a bit. Oh, I hope I hope it's I hope it lives up to my memory of it, and it did. I loved it. I I I stand by my love of the film. I think it's great. Um, Life. I know you hated for 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 you. This is your this is this is to you what Train Spotting Two was to me. Um, but I don't care. I love it. I think it's a very underrated film. Really love it. Um, Goodbye, Christopher Robin. I, I strongly urge people to check this film out. Very hard, just, just, yeah, good drama. Solid, solid drama. I loved it. I thought um, Dom Hall Gleeson gave a, a brilliant central performance in it. And it's just, it's just beautifully directed. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, we talked about already, really loved. Um, and Justice League, again, I, I loved it. I don't care what anyone else says. Do I want the Zack Snyder cut over the Joss Whedon cut? Of course I do. Of course I do. Um, but I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater just because th- th- I know there's probably a different cut out there that I would prefer. I still think, given the mess of the production, given what happened because of Joss Whedon having to come in, I think when you look at that finished film, you know what? It's pretty damn entertaining. And I like all the central... I like that I like that main group of characters. So, yeah, for me, I like Justice League. And my final film, in my honourable mentions, um, really great film. Like, it missed out being on my top ten just literally by a hair, a thin slither. And that was Wind River. Um, just... Another film that just slays you. you. You get to the end, and there's there's a yeah there's a sequence towards the end, and I, and I think I think Wind River probably deserves some nominations for best editing. To be honest, because if you look at that particular sequence that I I, I won't spoil right now, but it's it's kind of a flashback sequence. Um, but I, if you look at the way that's edited, perfect. Um, just yeah, brilliant film and. Third time, you know, home run, basically, for for, uh, Taylor Sheridan. He wrote Mm. Hell or High Water and Sicario and now has written and directed Wind River. And he's definitely, definitely suddenly just, like, become on my list of 
favourite filmmakers. Um, but yeah, that's that's my honourable mentions. Okay, and uh, just out of curiosity, if you had to pick one movie next year, one movie that you have got to see, um, what, what would it be? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, I, I think... Just because of how much of a, a, an event movie it is, really, I think it's pro- probably going to be Avengers Infinity War. Um, I'm sure that will change as, as, as the year goes on, as, as things start getting more buzz. Um, but just, just right now, I, I think, you know... It's all been leading to this, hasn't it? As far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes, it's mm. all been leading to Infinity War. So, of, of course, I want to see that. Yeah, I think... I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I had to look at all the things coming out, and there's movies that I'm just I'm going to see regardless. But um, one that I am really curious about, that I'm really interested in, is Shane Black's The Predator. Oh, man. Yeah. Especially yes. since they've said it's going to be R-rated. Oh. Um, so I, I, I'm really curious to see what that guy's going to do with that franchise, especially as it's a sequel mm. and not a reboot. Yeah. So um, I am in. I'm in big style in that. <laughs> I really want to see what that's going to be all like. So, mm. I, I mean, there we have it. I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, Shane Black fan anyway. Um, and I mean, like I said before, Nice Guys was my favourite film mm-hmm. of, uh, of 2016. Um yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, a, a few more. I mean, obviously Solo. Just, just. I mean, like, I can't say I'm particularly... I mean, uh, about any of the Star Wars films, this has been the case, really. Like yeah. you said before, I they don't excite me. When they talk about them, and I think it is just because of how religious people are about them, how, you know... They are the be all and end all for some people, and I think that kind of puts me off a bit. Um, so I, I just can't allow myself to get excited. But you know what? Force Awakens was my favourite film of the year it came out. Rogue One was a very good film. Uh, Last Jedi, like literally, just missed out on on being in my top ten. So again, Solo, I'm not that excited, but. You know, if they do do what they've done so far, then we, we could could be in for something quite special. Um, one other film that I am quite intrigued by, I've got to say, is Venom. Um, right. You know, just if, if they do it justice, I like Ruben Fleischer as a director. I, I personally think that Gangster Squad is one of the most underrated films of the last 10 years. I absolutely loved that film. Um I, I, I just love the style of it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that's not high on my list or anything, but it just... Well, to, to, to be quite honest, I'm just flicking through IMDb now and just seeing what jumps out at me. But, uh, yeah, a couple a couple on my list just off the top of my head is uh, Creed 2. Right. Um, I, I like Rocky. Um, I like the fact that Ivan Drago's back for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it ticks all my boxes. I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for Sicario 2. 
Yeah, I'm about to see if Taylor Sheridan keeps Sarah Sheridan keeps yeah. the, the the script running going. Yeah. Um, um, one that I seen a trailer for was um, Mortal Engines. Uh, mm-hmm. About the towns on wheels in an apocalyptic wasteland. Right. Have you not seen okay. the trailer for this? One? Oh yes, actually yes. <laughs> now that you mention it, just just when you mention the town on wheels, yeah, yeah, it's, that looks it interesting. Was, yeah, it was like what the hell? Mm. That that's interesting, and then um, purely personal reasons again because I loved the first one so much. Uh, it probably won't be any good at all. Super Troopers two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do, just going back to your honourable mentions, in fact, I, I, I did want to mention, uh, but I didn't want to cut in, uh, I, Valerian. Um, mm. I was with you on that. I, I thought that was such an underrated film. I had a blast watching it. Mm. Um, I think people were very unfair. Okay, the, the two lead performances aren't the best in the world, but I thought there was so much creativity in that film that we rarely see in science fiction these days, that I, I just, I appreciated it quite a lot, I must say. Um, the People I, are going to discover that movie on DVD, TV, yeah. Netflix. Well, like they did with uh, Fifth Element. Because yeah. don't forget, when Fifth Element came out, that people didn't make such a big song and dance about that film. It didn't do particularly well, if my memory serves me correctly. But... Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it has become something of a cult favourite now. Uh, but uh, one more film that I would just like to mention, and that's Scorsese's new film, The Irishman, which, you know... Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Uh, Happy K-Tail. This, this, it, it could be could be something special. And and if if we're talking if we're talking guilty pleasures that maybe I'm looking forward to, I'll say Maze Runner: The Death Cure because I actually do quite like the first two. Um, you know, as as far as young adult novel adaptations go, I'd I'd say it's probably second behind The Hunger Games. I would say the first Maze Runner is a terrific movie, mm. absolutely terrific. I've seen it a few times. Uh, love it. Second one not so much, but mm. it all depends on the third one if they land it. It could make it a really good trilogy of movies. Yeah, 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 definitely. And and I like that they've stuck with it as a trilogy as well, and not split. Yeah. You know, they've not done like they always do and split that second book, that that last book, I should say. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it could be. It, yeah, it could be. If if it's as good as the other two, I'll be happy because I I liked the second one. I thought it was quite good. Um, oh, you don't have long to wait, do you? No, not at all. It's it's out very shortly. Yeah. Um, so. A couple of weeks. Yep. Excellent. So anything else, or is that us for 2017? Um, one more. I mean, I could go in here, but I, I, I'm very intrigued to see the, the new Hellboy. Yes. Um, it, it could go either way. I mean, Neil mm. Marshall's been pretty hit and miss. Uh, oh, I like you him. Know, yeah, I, I, I love, when he's on form... Man, is he on farm? Dog Soldiers and The Descent are just t- two of the best, not just British, but best horror films of all but, time. I mean, I like Centurion and Doomsday as well. I like Centurion. I, I didn't like Doomsday at all. I was just like, yeah, I don't need to see this ever again. Um, Centurion, Mad, Mad I liked. in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, but Centurion I did like. I will watch that again. Um, but, uh, yeah... So, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll be, 
yeah, I'd like to see where they go with that. It's, it's a shame that they didn't let, you know, if they didn't bring, bring Del Toro back to finish his trilogy. Uh, I, I, I do love those those first two films by him. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we've just got to face up to the fact that we're never going to get it now. Um, I am amazed but uh, by how much David Harbour looks like um, Ron Perlman once yeah. once he's in that makeup. They they could have easily done a sequel using him. Uh, just you know, just carry on rather than reboot mm. him. It'll be an interesting experience. I suppose we need to wait and see. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's one to look forward to. Um, and of course, is an Aquaman out next year, Brian? It is. I, I'm looking forward December. to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Mm. Um, I, I think because most of it is going to take place underwater, I, I, I will imagine that's going to create some problems. Uh, you yeah, know, visually I, I like speaking. the character of Aquaman, but mm. I didn't like his underwater sequence. In yeah, Justice League. that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, if they if they can if they can keep as much of it, which is, which is stupid, really. But <laughs> if they can keep as much of it as possible on land, then I think they might be onto a winner. But uh, yeah, it, you can't really call it Aquaman. Oh, one more, one more film that I do need to mention, um, and that is Alex Garland's next film, Annihilation. Yes. Uh, he really knocked it out of the park with Ex Machina. And I think he did a fantastic job on the screenplay for for Dread as well. So oh yes, um, and and this is another Netflix movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, the studio dropped the ball, wasn't it? Um, or lost confidence or something or other. But um, yeah, the, it's a shame that we don't get to see these kind of movies on the big screen. Yeah, um, but still, I I will be there day one when it appears on Netflix. I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. so. That's, that's, that's the 2017 and a little bit of 2018 preview as well. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. As we said, we're missing out on the eyes of Laura Mars, but that will be back next month as we get back into the regular way of doing our podcasts. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Brits on Flux. <laughs> oh, dude, you nearly nailed it. You nearly had it nailed. It's, I started thinking about it at the end. <laughs> oh, you just overthink. Yeah. Overthinked? That's not a word. Overthunk? What is it? I don't know. Whatever. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>